Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 333rd episode of MTG Fast Finance, the podcast that's 11% more expensive and only available in Russian from here on out. MTG Fast Finance is your weekly podcast covering the world of Magic the Gathering finance, collection management, and speculation. I'm your host, James Chilcott, aka at MTG Critic on Twitter. My co-host is Cliff Daigle, at Word of Commander on Twitter, and we're here to help you folks make and save money playing our favorite game, Magic the Gathering. Hello, everybody. I'm glad to be here. I'm looking forward to sharing some valuable information with all of you. This show, as always, is produced by mtgprice.com, the leading MTG finance community. Sign up today at mtgprice.com to plan your specs, chat on a great Discord, and read articles by some of the best financial minds in the hobby. MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Use the promo code FINANCE5, that's the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com. Save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Clifford, welcome back. Welcome back. I hope you got a little bit of downtime during your travels and travails. Uh, you know, I was in Southern California where it was uh, 100 some odd degrees uh, Fahrenheit for a good while. And all I really did was let my kids swim around in the grandparents' pool. It was great. Awesome. Nice way to just kick back and chill. We've been up at the cottage doing much the same, so I can greatly appreciate it. Yeah, how is your uh, how is your RV travel through uh, all of basically all of America? Well, that's a long chat, but uh, okay, yeah, fair enough. Three, tw- twenty states in twenty days was uh, a grand success. We had a lot of fun. Did some pretty kick-ass things in some pretty kick-ass places, and picked out a handful of places we might want to live slash visit again. So yeah, it was pretty good. It, you better not leave the land of uh, socialized healthcare. Come on, well, man. Canadians never give up their their citizenship. It's just about where you want to snowbird in the winters. Gotcha. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. I'm for that. Yeah, come on down, buddy. Always, uh, always a good time. Alrighty. So what's on the agenda this week? Well, this week we're going to start off by talking about the metagame week in review. We've got a modern challenge and a pioneer challenge to talk about. Then we've got some fun cards to talk about in the top movers, both in paper and online. Then you and I have some cards to watch, including an excellent reader pick. And finally, we're going to talk about uh, the change in languages that has gone on with um, Wizards deciding not to support some languages anymore in paper magic. Also, we're going to get into just a little bit of the Dominaria United rumors and how it costs more, but will it be worth it? Yep, very good questions right now. So jumping into that modern challenge on Magic Online from July 17th, that's this past uh, Sunday, I believe, because I think they ran preliminaries on the Saturday, which we don't look at too hard because there are only four rounds. Uh, So usually you have like a 4-0 list and then some 3-1s. But over in the challenge, we have Grixis Shadow on top. This has kind of come out of the word work in the last few weeks after being dormant for a while. And it seems like the thing that turned the corner was them figuring out that they too can make use of Ledger Shredder. So they're now running four Ledger Shredder, four Ragavan, and four Death Shadow alongside the usual uh, penelope of support cards for, the, for this archetype. We've got Hammer Time in second, Blue Red Merc Tide with four Ledger Shredder in third. Blue-white control has been a pretty steady presence in the format for the better part of the last year since they got some additional toys out of Modern Horizons 2. 
in fourth place, and then a blue-red Murktide list without the Ledger Shredders in fifth. Four-color Omnath in sixth was just not super notable, but they did squeeze in the Vivian on, uh, on the Hunt combo with Planebound Accomplice. So they got four Vivian in here, and if that ends up being a constant with the four-color Omnath list, that could very easily put some pressure on the foil-etched Vivians. You know, it's also a, a delight to see a Yorion four-color Omnath deck just squeezing combos in here. Why not throw in um, a good old uh, Sword of the Meek and um, Doctor Foundry while you're at it, you know? Yep. Grixis Shadow again in seventh, uh, looking much the same as the list that was in first. Uh, and then Black-Green Yawgmoth combo in eighth. So Shadow being the the most important uh, addition to this top eight again over the last couple of weeks. Now over on the Pioneer Challenge from the same day. One thing I want to point out, both these um, Death Shadow lists, they look almost like um, they did, they would have if Lurus was still an option. You know, everything's under two, but they're both running Gigantha as their companion. They just want to have access to this free card. Like nothing else in the deck is over two mana and then they have this companion for uh, three plus five. I'm really impressed at how dedicated they are to this. What's Gigantha's requirement that nothing has two or more pips of the same color in the casting cost? Uh, yeah, no card in the starting deck has more than one of the same mana symbol in its mana cost. Right. So probably not. <laughs> Again, it feels to me very much like Luris being removed from the format has been fine, but not necessary. Pioneer Challenge, same day. Black-Red Midrange has been a pretty consistent deck uh, in this meta, and it finished first here. The Pioneer version of Blue-White Control in second. Another Blue-White Control list in fourth. Another Black-Red Midrange list in sixth. And then Blue-Red Arclight in eighth with four Arclight Phoenix and four Ledger Shredder. But the more interesting lists here uh, by a long mile are a Black-Red Sacrifice list that finished in third. And this list is notable because it's running Obnixlist the Adversary out of Streets of New Capenna, a card that was looking red hot for a little while there and that the pros then all seem to kind of just leave behind. And as a result, that card has crashed real hard. I think it soared up over 200, if I'm not mistaken, early on, and now they can be uh, gotten under $50 if I'm... If I've got that correct, let me just double check how Ob's doing. But I think that's where we're at. Also, this uh, this Pioneer deck is uh, available, like I believe, completely intact for uh, people who want to play around on Explorer, the not-quite-Pioneer format on Arena. Um, this is a, a deck list that I got sent by one of the Discord members because they said, oh yeah, this, this Explorer deck, I just, you know, won two explorer challenges in a row with it and you know me i'm always up for some free gems and whatnot so this is a lot of fun to play and and you would not believe how good stupid voltaren epicure is when you've got a deck full of deadly dispute and village rights yeah fair enough the so it looks like i was mistaken it didn't get over 200 i think that's elspeth i'm thinking of from neo uh but ob got up to about 100 and has done nothing but drop since so from 100 down to 35. So should you have sold that 
opening week or the week after, hell yes, you should have. Because <laughs> you're almost at the point where you can buy back a playset for the same value at this point. Yeah, that's that's generally really good advice is to sell stuff on uh, opening weekend. The the most obvious example uh, that is bad for that is Ledger Shredder, but most cards, you get a chance to sell early, you should really let it go. Now, one of the other uh, really cool lists in here was the fifth place list. This is a, we've seen humans' uh, multicolor lists uh, bleeding into the format lately, and they've been in a bunch of different forms. And this one is new again. This is Esper Humans. Uh, the hallmark of this archetype, regardless of its colors, tends to be the pyre of heroes doing a Ethervile-esque impression. You know, the, the four of artifact that leverages the tribe, um, although it does it from a, a slightly different angle where you have to sack a creature. So it's got kind of a survival of the fittest thing going on. Um, you sack a creature, you search the library for a creature that shares creature type with the sacrifice creature and has converted mana cost one more. So, these guys are running Bloodsoak Champion, Charming Prince, Extraction Specialist, Fourth Bridge Prowler, and I guarantee you people are going to have to look some of these up. I'm looking them up right now, I mean. <laughs> Hostage Taker, Four Priest of Forgotten Gods, which is a card I, that is, I have had tons of fun with on Arena. Four Reflector Mage, Four Thalia's Lieutenant, Four Thraven Inspector, and then I suppose these four Unlucky Witness put us into four colors, actually, not Esper. But it's mostly Esper. And then the, you know, lands to match. There are no kill spells in this deck. There's no support cards other than Pyre of Heroes. They're leaning real hard on Reflector Mage and Priest of Forgotten Gods to and Hostage Taker to do that removal work. You know, you've got uh, the two Declaration in the sideboard. You've got some Kite Seal Freebooter in the sideboard, too. And Acquisitions you know, this is... Experts. Yeah, like, we've got some really fun things going on in here. And as for adding a fourth color of humans, when you've got four unclaimed territory, four secluded courtyard, uh, you can start off with just about anything you want. You know, yeah. it's only at eight lands, and I imagine it feels really good to sacrifice an unlucky witness into a pyre of heroes and go get uh, yet another Thalia's lieutenant. No, you're just going to just start smashing, smashing. And then the other really cool deck in this challenge was the seventh place list, which is a variant on the sacrifice theme that we saw in the third place list. But this one is back to Shades of Standard. It's the Jund version with three Corvold Fae Cursed King, who is probably my most beloved commander at present. Having lots of fun tuning out that deck. These guys... Uh, we're running three Cauldron Familiar, four Gilded Goose, three Corvold, four Mayhem Devil, a must in the sack list, three Claim the Firstborn, four Deadly Dispute, three Fatal Push, four Witch's Oven, four Fable of the Mirror Breaker, and four Trail of Crumbs. I love Trail of Crumbs. I have played a bunch of games with that stupid card. And once you start getting it going, it just really it feels like cheating. It feels real hard like cheating, especially if you're doing stuff like sacrificing a food to a deadly dispute. This deck isn't running the makeshift munitions that some decks are, but and you don't have to sacrifice the food for itself. You're just sacrificing a food for anything, whether it's deadly dispute or some other effect. And of course, you got your Fable of the Mirror Breaker in here, just making everything else good. And so, as we've seen for most of this 
this calendar year, these formats look healthy. They are continuously evolving. Um, not, you know, earth-shaking shakeups lately. It's just, you know, iterative evolution of the formats. Nothing's getting too stagnant. Looks good to me. Uh, standard's a whole other matter, but we're not covering that here. <laughs> so, on to top paper movers of the week. Lots of early action on some of these key cards from Double Masters, and the question becomes, will this inventory fill in and start driving prices down? You and I have been telling pro traders in conversation in the Discord that, by all rights, we should see these things hit their lows four to six months out, because that's how things went with Double Masters, and this isn't too different of an animal. But there's a lot of early interest, both, I suspect, from collectors, players, and speculators, vendors as well. So hard to say what's going to happen with some of these top, top cards. By way of example, Dockside Extortionist out of Double Masters, just the regular copies, $58 to 66 So any hopes people had of buying $25 copies on opening weekend, really anywhere on the planet, out the window. Uh, with Japan and Europe being at you know, 10-year lows in exchange rate against the U.S. dollar, where you're getting, like, on 1,000 yen, you're getting a 33% discount, so you're basically getting a card for $7 if it's priced at that. And over in Europe, you're almost at par right now. Um, you know, there's a lot of, of vendors and and higher-end speculators, pro-traders, etc., buying stuff overseas, and things like Dockside never got cheap in Japan. They were expensive right out of the gates, just like they were in the U.S., probably because Japan has an easier time shipping. Uh, now that we're out of the COVID restrictions, for the most part, uh, on the shipping side of things, and with those logistics issues out of the way, they, they are pricing against the U.S. market, not against the local market, which is a real shame, because <laughs> if this set had landed with japan not able to ship to the u.s boy whew. those deals i was getting over there this week would have been all the sweeter i love how you will travel 20 states in 20 days and you'll still find time to break off big ass carts of stuff at uh, assorted japanese vendors we did we did a few hundred thousand dollars worth of group buys from the road we I probably spent about five k in Japan in the last couple of weeks while driving around in the car. Um, the haul I got last night was truly ridiculous because it was about sixteen, like one hundred and sixty thousand yen, which once upon a time would have been pretty close to fifteen hundred US, but at current rates of exchange, that's closer to twelve fifty or thirteen hundred dollars US. And then the vendor I was buying from, I didn't realize that these guys had a points program. And when I went to check out the card and pony up my cash, they informed me I had 148,000 points. So I, nice. so I ended up paying 160 US for a $1,300 cart of already underpriced Japanese Double Master stuff. That's always a good time. Yeah, no doubt. So we got Imperial Seal here, another Double Masters card going 140 to 176. That's, you know, early targeting as well. It's up 25% in a week. Can that get back down under 100 at some point in the next six months? I think it's possible, but I can't guarantee you it'll happen at this point. Kozilek Butcher of Truth, the textured foil version that is uh, a trick to, to open in your CBs, uh, went from 250 to 340. Uh, up $90, so that's 36% gains there. 
side story for a little while there i thought i had figured out a collation flag or tell in the cases of the collector booster boxes for double masters because in two cases that i three three cases that i opened most of the boxes were all facing the same way but one box was facing the other way and i always do something weird and superstitious when i'm picking which cb to open first out of a case whatever it may be and in this case it was just super obvious the one that was facing the other way was just too tempting so i pulled it out and immediately uh, snapped off a foil textured ulamog so the next time i opened a case i tried the same trick and it immediately yielded a foil textured ulamog mm-hmm. so then we started wondering well maybe what they've done here is they ran that textured sheet on its own because there's no way it's a mixed sheet right right because it's a completely different treatment. So the, the five cards that are available, it's five cards, right? That are foil textured? Yeah, I think it's five. There are, yeah, there's five mythics that are textured. So that's a full sheet. And it could be that they had to put CBs aside to seed the, the packs that those go into, to seed those into packs, and then to seed those packs that they go into, into a CB so that they would be roughly one per case. That could be how they're doing them on doing that on the floor. That's not completely crazy, um, but we couldn't really get, get confirmation of it. When other pro traders tried it, the first one that tried it did indeed find a foil textured in their back backwards facing box, and we thought we had something. But then a few other people tried the same thing and got nothing. So now we don't know. Don't know. Uh, but something to keep an eye out for. If you crack a case of this stuff, you see a backwards box, try that one first and let, let us know how it went. It's always good to have uh, fun things like that going on. Imperial Seal Borderless from Double Masters went from 160 to 220, you know, alongside the regular copies. And then switching off Double Masters for a bit, Treasure Cruise OBFs from Time Spiral Remastered went from 35 to 50. This is 43% gains. Hollowing out on the back of Pioneer Play for the most part, and I'm sure some EDH play as well. There's only nine listings left on TCG Player, and I think this card is headed for $80 to $100. So it was a called out by cliff on may 13th what was the entry point when you called it uh i put in an article about um old border foils that were ready to pop it was 33 dollars at the time yeah and you know it, it's a, an easy thing to pick out it's in a surprising number of commander decks but it's just amazing this stupid card isn't banned in pioneer yet <laughs> yeah fair enough it is it is pretty amazing it, there's no way that lasts forever like eventually they'll they'll set up uh Something that fills graveyards a little too quick. I'm, I'm surprised, actually, that Ledger Shredder doesn't already kind of nudge you in that direction, given that it's constantly right. discarding to the yard. But I guess we'll and see. It's just the way it feeds itself is just, like, it's so synergistically wonderful. So we have Phyrexian Obliterator Foils from M25 going 40 to 62, 55% gains. That's going to got to be on the back of that uh, blue-black horrors... Uh, Commander Captain Nagathrod. Right. The horror pirate. Just does great things with uh, all the the different horrors that you can cram into a blue-black deck. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. Next we had uh, Secret Lair Swamps, the Dracula Lands ones. Uh, These are non-foils, but they've bumped up from about $8 to $13. People love having things on theme, and the great thing about some of these lands is 
one you, you're not buying one you're buying enough for an entire commander deck and so you're buying these in large clumps which is always a useful thing to remember yeah and if i'm not mistaken this is the one with the gargoyle pretty sure and we're down in even in foil we're down to 25 listings uh wait no in non-foil we're down to 25 listings in foil we're down to oh about the same about the same for both and they're both sitting in that like eight to ten dollar range right now and if these remain popular then you can expect that to probably crank up towards 15 plus in the not too distant future thing about those secret layers is if people actually find and like the card and remember to keep buying it there is no restock yep scourge of alcus out of uh iconic masters three to five dollars hard to make money on that but it is being driven by the dragon decks that have been popular including miriam speaking of her Miriam Sentinel Worm etched foils out of the collector booster boxes for Commander Legends 2 from 5 to 850. Very popular commander lately. I think she is. She's either uh, number one or number two lately. Yeah, past month she's number one. So that explains that. Tamio's safekeeping out of Neo foils from 2 to 350. If I'm not mistaken, that's like a sneaky little uncommon. It's, a, it's an uncommon for. Yeah, one mana uh, target permanent you control games hex hexproof and indestructible, and you gain two life all for one green mana. Really fun trick in Commander for protecting it from just about everything. It's in 14,000 decks on EDH Rec. That's 5% of all green decks since it was printed this winter. So that sounds about right. Actually, it's not an uncommon. It's a common. It's a common foil oh. going for 350 now. Oh, makes uh, If you kept your bulk from those... Uh, neo uh, collector boosters it's a good thing to check on i'm double second guessing myself though was neo a collector booster formulation where they gave us less foil commons off the top of my head i don't remember usually it's been five commons two uncommons but i can look real quick i'm just checking that out because that could be a could be a, i seem to remember conversations along those lines there are two traditional foil commons in Neon Dynasty packs. So, yeah. Yeah, two commons and two uncommons, huh? That's right. All right. So, that's that. Then we've got uh, Amanatu, the tiny planeswalker etched foils 16 to 28 again out of double masters more early targeting force negation foil etched also went 60 to 120 that's a double up in week one you can get in and get out on that within two weeks you're doing very well indeed and this is because people some people have clued into the fact that you outlined in your early article on this topic that the foil etched rares and mythics are actually very difficult to find even in comparison to the textured foils because they come from a much larger pool right um you can only get etched foils from the collector boosters there's a lot more that you could potentially pull and um you can because you can get the borderless foils and non-foils from the draft boosters there's just a whole lot more of those than there are of the etched foils and even if they might not have the same art you know they do look pretty awesome in the etched foil treatment yep 
Then we've got Haven of the Spirit Dragon non-foils out of the uh, AFC. Uh, the Forgotten Realms Commander, yeah. Yeah, the Commander decks, I believe it was a reprint. Dollar fifty mm-hmm. to three dollars for a double up on the back of those dragon decks that are getting built. Tower of the Magistrate out of Mercanian Mass, fourteen to thirty-five. Not sure exactly what's going on there, but I did see some chatter about it in the Discord. Um, could be that because it gives creatures protection from artifacts until end of turn, and we've got the Brothers War coming up, that people figure this is going to be relevant. I suppose. I mean, it's not on the reserved list, and it has long been a, a popular uh, little uh, trick to do to, to make other people's creatures lose their equipment. But, I mean, you can do fun things with this, uh, not just, you know, defensively. You can get a little offensive with it, and, um, you know, it's a, it's a land that just gives you a bonus as long as you don't care about the colorless mana. We're down to six near mint listings on TCG Player. Just about ten copies left, so getting pretty, that's, pretty slim. That's Mercadian Masks. That's twenty four years ago. So yeah, you know, there's not a lot of near mint anything left from way back then. And we've got Blood Tithe Harvester Silver Screen Foils out of the Double Feature set, ten to fifty dollars, four hundred percent gains. That's on the back of that card showing up constantly in the black red mid range list. No idea how big the market is for something like that to you know trick out a pioneer deck at with current pat- current patterns of play, but again these are very hard to pull. Nobody's really opening the set anymore, and they're super super unlikely to ever reprint the any of the cards involved in the silver screened version again. Yeah, plus you know if you're playing in pioneer, you can't have just one man. You got to have the matching set, so you got to buy all four. And then capping this list, we've got Maddening Hex. Maddening Hex is out of uh, AFC. So this was one of the commander cards from uh, Adventures of the Forgotten Realms last summer. So it would have shown up in the CBs for that set. And the regular copies are from uh, one the of the actual commander decks. Commander decks. Exactly. Yeah. So this is the, I think this was the extended art, if I'm not mistaken. Let me double check that. Yeah, this price is for the extended art version. Yeah. So this this version went from 8 to 40 on the back of a combination of Legacy and EDH play. It's in 6,000 decks on EDH rack, which is relatively modest. Uh, but apparently some some crazy people have been running this in Legacy. where it, It's an enchant player for 3 mana. And uh, whenever they cast a non-creature spell, you get to roll a d6. So on average, you're doing, what, 3.5 damage or whatever uh, per roll. And it has like a sulfuric puric vortex but one-sided thing going on yeah it you know reattaches after every roll to a different opponent but if you only have one opponent that doesn't matter and so every brainstorm is going to cost them three life every uh daze is going to cost them three life so if you think you can get this through and slap it on your opponent in legacy that's gonna you know get it done and you're also going to get some free wins when they do the math in their head and they go that's 3.5 damage or whatever and then you hit you roll a six (laughs) <laughs> and yep. they just die. <laughs> so that's that. Moving on over to top Magic Online movers of the week. Subtlety out of MH2 has gone from 8.3 ticks to 12.2 on the back of very heavy play in uh, Modern. If I'm not mistaken, if we look at most popular cards in Modern, top creatures 
are now we have endurance in first fury in second ragavan in third and subtlety in fourth so subtlety had fallen out of the format almost entirely after early testing last summer didn't see a lot of it in the late fall if i recall correctly uh, mostly had been showing up in the crashing rhinos decks for a while and and then that deck wasn't around as much and then other decks that had been trying it just kind of withdrew from from top eights entirely but now it's in 22 percent of all decks 2.4 copies played and you're seeing it a lot in murktide regent sometimes out of the board you're seeing it in living end you're seeing it in crash of footfall still you're seeing it in glimpse uh the unthinkable combo merfolk runs the card four color omnath sometimes sometimes finds room for it so it's got support from you know four four or five major archetypes tier one tier two archetypes and, uh, yeah, it's making moves. You know, it's uh, going to be a real good time. And you know, these elementals, what's that leave off? That's You named four of them. What's that leave? The black one? Grief? Yeah, grief, grief has been, which was, a, which was people thought was broken up front yeah. because they were planning on using ephemerate and other such tricks to get two, ver- two of the effects. So force an opponent to discard twice and leave the grief in play on, like, turn one. Mm-hmm. And they fooled around with that for a little bit and then realized it just wasn't good enough. Yeah. Yeah, that that sounds about right. Uh, let's see. Next on this list, we have Haunted Ridge, uh, another one of the silver screen versions. Even on Magic Online, it's a popular choice. It's uh, jumped up from about 6.5 to 9.5. And it's just all over the place in Pioneer lists, and it's just a really good card. The It's the black-red, uh, comes into play tapped unless you have two or more lands, right? Yeah, and standard lists as well, I suppose. The thing about Double Feature on Magic Online is it was not released there, so it's a promo card. Uh, ah, gotcha. In, in that context. Werewolf Pack Leader out of AFR, 7.39 ticks to 11.58. That's 57%, mostly on standard play, where green decks with... Uh, Pack leader have been doing well for months. And then Extraction Specialist came out of nowhere. This is a forgotten Strixhaven card. Uh, 0.93 ticks to 3.06. 229% gains if you moved quick there and got a pile of them. Massive jump off that Esper plus uh, one red card humans pioneer list that uh, top aided. James, I want you to promise me you're never going to take up Magic Online in any serious capability because... We will never see you again. You will just be like hunting these bots like a tracker on the savannah. Well, I mean, I just I managed a portfolio of almost 20,000 tickets for three or four years. Oh, man. How did but, you kick that habit? Uh, we made good money, but I was getting... Then we had Alara. <laughs> and so, <laughs> so, something had to give. So I, right. backed, I backed off Magic Online and handed that over to oko and oko has been doing a tremendous job running that channel in our discord keeping everybody on top of things and folks that are paying attention in that channel can easily justify their pro trader uh fees for the year just by paying attention oh yeah all right moving on over to cards to watch ideas of our own sort of i mean we just (laughs) spotted haunted ridge over here in the top magic online movers and we noted that the black red deck has been doing well in pioneer so not tremendously surprising that I think the silver screen edition in paper is also worth a look. 
this goes for actually most of these lands um, because they right. they spiked really hard when people were targeting the double feature cards a few months back. But since the spotlight has shifted and we're now mostly about double uh, double masters two stuff, haunted ridge silver screen foils can be had for as low as twenty three dollars. Strong demand from Pioneer and EDH, where it's in 36,000 EDH rec decks within the first year of release. That's 16% of all black red decks uh, reported. And on the back of that, I would imagine that these will be able to go 23 to 50 pretty easily in, say, 6 to 12 months. Yeah, this is uh, a pretty easy pick. It's the rarest version of some of the best lands. It's not fetchable. Uh, in Commander, but it's still very popular in Commander, like you said. And all of these are just really solid and another uh, indicator that you can build a really good mana base in Commander for, you know, the price of one dual land. So I'm I'm with you on this. This is a, a rock-solid pick, and we already know that it's popular in these other ones. So There's also yeah. only 13 yeah. listings near Mint left on TCG Player, and they're pushing up over 30 pretty quickly. All right, well... Um, I've got to go check and see which of my decks need one. All right. How about your first selection this week? Uh, My first selection plays off uh, something that, you know, we talked about Treasure Cruise in the Old Border Foil. In that same article, I called out Hedron Archive in Old Border Foil. Um, It's in 53,000 decks. It's one of the best mana rocks you can have in Commander. Right now, the Retro Foil is available for about $15 on TCG Player, but there's only 34 uh, vendors. They only have 40 copies. Nobody has a, a huge wall, and in 20 more sales, it's at $20. In about 30 sales, it's at, you know, $26. So uh, if you want the old border foil Hedron Archive, now is your going to be your last chance to get that card at a reasonable price before it hits a double up. Yeah, it seems to me like this one's going to be a no-brainer on any kind of reasonable timeline, you know, mid to long term. It's a relatively steep ramp. There's only 21 listings left on TCG Player for these. It's not like a must-have in hyper-competitive decks, but if you're in a, uh, if you have a commander that costs like six plus and you need to ramp in the mid-game to start casting haymakers, then this thing is very useful. And it's going to be a card that gets reprinted over and over and over again, but you know, the next slot that, you know, the next chance it has to see a even fancier version is probably a secret layer. And then the backup plan would be uh, some kind of double masters 2024 or something like that. So send a car eight, you know, yeah, the, the OBFs could, you know, could be on top of the heap here for a couple more years, or you, you could get a invention version of this alongside the brothers war. So hard, hard to tell, but even inside a six-month horizon, this is looking pretty decent. Thank you. Uh, what's next on your choice? Because uh, this is something that I think a lot of people are going to say, like, what? Yeah, I'm flagging some sealed product here. The There was a sale at a notable vendor that was flagged in the Discord this weekend. That's already over. They sold out. But it was the second or third time we've seen uh, Streets of New Capenna collector boosters posted in the like 125 to 140 range with vendors just trying to get them off their hands. This reminds me a lot of when Ikoria went through a similar phase. Um, and keep in mind, these are both sets that have are anchored by the same thing, Trilands. And the Ikoria Collector Booster boxes do cough up more Trilands per pack, 
than the Streets of New Capenna uh, ones do, but Streets of New Capenna is a deeper set overall. And the Ikoria Collector Booster boxes stayed low for a long while and then got as high as 279 in mid-May. And they've since trailed off. I think the cheapest right now is about 253 or something. But if you had gotten in on those at the 130 mark a couple of years back, you would be perfectly happy to sell out at that price. And this is a, a product that doesn't sell infrequently on TCG Player. If you look at the sales history on the Ikoria's, just on July 15th alone, they sold four boxes. So, inside the Streets of New Capenna stuff, you've got the Triomes, the Borderless Foil Triomes. You've got uh, the Gilded cards. You've got uh, a whole bunch of SNC cards in extended art form. You've got Ledger Shredder. You've got Vivian on the Hunt, which might be a four of in Omnath or could be reconstituted in some other combo deck. You got all those Trilands, you got Unlicensed Hearse, and a whole bunch of other stuff. This is a pretty solid set. I don't think the Collector Boosters deserve to be this cheap, and I don't think they'll stay there. Um, if you're looking at Neon Dynasty, if you're looking at Double Masters, yeah, those are better sets. But th this set isn't this bad. I mean, the only beef I have with comparing it to Ikoria is the Triomes in Ikoria in the... Um... I don't remember if they called it Showcase or Borderless with the alternate art and the shrunken frame. Like, they were much cooler than the uh, than the, the ones that are named for the families in Streets of New Capenna. But it's really hard to argue with the buy price here you've, you've flagged here. Especially for, you know, com uh, collector boosters in uh, 12 in a box instead of, you know, the 4 that's in Double Masters 2022. So, I'm with you on this. If you can pick them up at this price... Uh, there's they've they've got some good potential for growth, and I'm not really a a big proponent of sealed product generally speaking. So I'm I'm with you on this. I mean, we can say that the Ikoria art is better, and everybody will agree with us. But it doesn't change the fact that on the basis of how underestimated those trilands were, and how uh, much money they ended up making people that were in on them early, the Streets New, New Capenna tries. Uh, came out of the gate hot and have stayed largely hot. I mean, Rafine's Tower just in borderless non-foil is still market price $23. Zeotora's Proving Ground is at 18 so is Jetmere's Garden, so is Spara's Headquarters, and you've also got Bootlegger's Stash in this set. You've got Voidrend. Um, Ginny Fay and Jetmere are both in here, and Jetmere's a Mythic. There, there is a version of these, the showcase, that I would stay away from, but I think regular copies of those Trilands and the Borderless Foil versions of the Trilands are probably destined for good things. And again, I, I just think 130 to 140, some, you know, somewhere you might find them 120, 130, maybe on a Facebook deal. It's too cheap for the, everything that go, is going on in this set. Yeah, uh, plus, you know, we, we might I might get nitpicky about the art, but it doesn't change the fact that for half the triomes, this is the only choice. So, and it's in, you know. and it's technically in print. So you're not you're not yeah. going to see more triomes out of the secret layer program or something this year. There's a slim chance you could get secret layer ultimate with tries. Listen, I am ruling nothing out with what wizards will do in terms of printing something twice in a row. 
So it, it might happen. That's just a that's just a risk we're all taking at all times. Sure. There's no there's no getting I, around that. I would say the 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 th- worst thing that could happen to the try specifically on a short term basis would be that they announce an ultimate secret layer where they do them in the Ikoria art style, despite it not really making sense for the the setting of the plane, um, which would be very popular because then people would be able to match them. I think some some other like match them all to some other gig like they match them all to some dominaria setting or something like that would be much more popular mm, no i disagree i i think that the all best right. thing you could do is you take the tries from from icoria and you cough up the streets of new capenna style and you take the um streets of new capenna ones and you cough up the icoria style and then people can choose sure that's a that's a fun secret layer i could get behind i would i would i would probably end up picking up quite a few of those all right, so your next pick here was completely off my radar. Break it down for me. All right, my other pick this week, um, dragons are good, right? We, we're all into dragons. Uh, I'm clearly a dragon aficionado. And one of my favorite cards in my Ur-Dragon deck is a card from the Adventures of the Forgotten Realms commander uh, called Klaus Will. And it's X, uh, green, red, red, uh, and, or uh, the other way around if you're doing it technically. Uh, it's an instant. It's a X, so it's got an X. Uh, you choose one, but if you have your commander in play, you can choose both. You either deal X damage to each creature without flying, or you destroy up to X target artifacts and/or enchantments. <laughs> nasty. It is fantastic. Now there haven't been a lot of chances for me to cast this in my Ur Dragon deck and get both modes, but every time I have this card in hand, I have a warm, safe, happy feeling. That I'm about to wreck some stuff. It's going to be great. And you can get this in extended art for two bucks right now. It's already in 9,000 commander decks online. That figure's a little misleading. The regular version is in the pre constructed uh, yeah. red green. So uh, don't lean too hard on that. Just focus on the fact that even now it's selling like a couple copies a day and it's just moving, moving, moving. And, you know, the extended art copies were not, you know, that all over the place. But this is one of the, like, best cards I have in the deck. And I'm just so sad that no foil option is available. I'm picking it to go uh, 2 bucks to 7 in about the next year, maybe a little more. But anytime you can have uh, a, a, ra- a, a conditional wrath of, like, all the non-flyers or, you know, destroy all the annoying enchantments and artifacts, it's really great. Looking over some stats, we probably missed our best play here. Uh, November, December of last year, these got down to about fifty cents a piece, and right. CK is currently offering a dollar thirty-five to one seventy-six. So, if anybody felt ambitious about this card six months ago, they could have tripled up pretty easily. Now, dragons weren't as hot at that particular moment in time as they are now, so I would be fairly surprised if anybody did indeed do that. However, you don't have that that sexy sub one dollar entry that leads to the big yields, but you do have slowly dwindling onesie twosie inventory on TCG Player. You have CK backing at a dollar thirty five or a dollar seventy six credit. So if you get in close to two, retreat is certainly possible. For instance, Over the Horizon on TCG Player has five copies at a dollar plus a dollar fifteen shipping, so you'd make automatic money there. Um, I don't know beyond that how much I love it at two. 
I suspect it's the kind of thing that goes two to four fifty over the course of some period of time, and it all boils down to whether CK cranks up their their buy list to met you know take the ten copies you you dig in on. At present, they'll take fifteen, so it's a lot better than sometimes you'll you'll see a good price from them, but they'll only take one or two. They seem a little bit more ambitious on this one. I am. It, it's just so good. <laughs> I'm clearly biased. Yeah, and I think I, my perspective on this is that I don't know how much I love it as a spec, but I would certainly buy a copy for my dragon deck. See, and if everybody who builds a dragon deck does that, boom. It's like a one-sided Blasphemous Act plus Helios Intervention. It's so, so good. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it's we're saying that, you know, in this modern era, it's not enough for a card to be good. At minimum, if you open Cracked AFR... Uh, you may have some of these lying around that you may want to buy list at some point. That's true, too. My next one is sadly only for the folks that have access to Japanese uh, vendors, but that's uh, a lot easier this year than it was last year, so I think it's reasonable for me to start flagging these again. Japanese Borderless Mana Vaults. I cr- picked off five of these from that major order we were talking about earlier um, from Japan the other night at $55 a piece. The Mana Vault Borderless English copies are holding at about $80 on TCG Player. So people talk about the foreign discount and how you're going to have to sell for less. Well, that's not true necessarily of S-tier staples. I've done very well on things like Old Gnawbone, um, charging more for Borderless Foil versions than I would in English. And just sold a Japanese foil anointed procession this afternoon for like $40 or something that I picked up at eight a couple of years back. I've done very well with double masters picking off things like Cyclonic Rift um, when it was too cheap in Japan. And this time around, I've got my, my list of stuff to go after and Borderless Mana Vaults is one of them. They're already cheaper over there by 25 bucks than they are in uh, the U.S., and it seems like they have upside to get, say, 55 to 90 pretty easily, given that they're oh, the English copies are holding at 80. Even if we think that that 80 is going to slide in four to six months, as you and I have been predicting in the Discord, then they might end up being 60 in the U.S., and then six months later, they'll be back up at 90 to 100 as they start to hollow out. So this and several other cards look like very ripe in japan and while we're on the topic i may as well give people a list of what else i snapped off so they know what to look for (laughs) i was picking up foil etched smothering tithes in japan at 22 apiece sensei's divining top etched foils at 36 crucible of worlds etched foil japanese at 36 pyrexian altar etched foils japanese at 33 teferi's protection etched foil at ten dollars a piece those are closer to 20 plus, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just double check that. Teferi's Protection Foil Etched is currently closer to 30. So that's like 67% off to switch into Japanese language on a card that most people have memorized. And that's kind of my key here. So I'm looking at EDH staples that also have cube and some possible vintage or legacy appeal and are easy to memorize. Um, Vidalcan Ori etched foils at $7 a piece, the Mana Vaults, uh, four Japanese Crucible of Worlds borderless foils at $40 a piece, really hard to see going wrong with that. 
uh, another card that's very easy to memorize the text of. Sensei's, Sensei's Divining Top, Borderless Foils at 40 apiece. A Japanese, just Japanese Mana Vault at 29. Five Japanese Smothering Ties at 11 apiece. Smothering Tithe to me is the Cyclonic <laughs> Rift to, uh, in this version, Double Masters. Smothering Tithe is holding steady at uh, $28, $27, $27 market price on TCG. So to snap off Japanese copies at 11 I'm going to end up selling them at like 24 or something and just making a killing here. Japanese yep. concordant, concordant Crossroads Foil Borderless at 19 apiece. Those are like 40 plus or something in English version. Japanese Crucible of Worlds Borderless at 22 and Japanese Sensei Divining Top at 14 apiece. Anything from that list, folks, I think is you're going to be hard to go wrong. Depending on which vendor you're dealing with, you might be, you know, plus or minus 10 or 15%, but most of the vendors in Japan are all in and around these prices, but this stuff is starting to dry up, so I wouldn't wait if you are looking to jump in. Now, when you say things are drying up, you mean drying up uh, over, uh, in Japan, correct? Yeah, because people like me and vendors and people playing over there are buying the stuff, and there's only so much of it to crack, given how expensive the sealed product is in Japan. A lot of it got sold as sealed. Okay. I can dig it. So, lots of good cards and Double Masters, and a whole bunch of them that are mostly EDH-specific that Japan has underpriced versus even future... I think these prices are future-proof, is I guess what I'm saying. Like, even if you think that Double Masters is headed downhill for the next six months, this is probably these prices are probably where these things will end up. And if we're wrong about that, and it rebounds and stays high, then you're going to do very well indeed. Very, very well. All right. So that's the capper for cards to watch. Other than we have the Pro Trader Selection of the Week. I was surprised we, we didn't have this on our radar or had had not called it as a pick as of yet and that no Pro Trader um, pick of this had yet been selected. But here we are. Fable of the Mirror Breaker Foil Extended Arts, uh, currently around $13. Keep in mind the Showcase Foils and the Foil Extended Arts are very similar like the art is better on the showcase, but it's not different enough that it makes one or the other super preferable or memorable. That being said, the showcase foils are already higher. I think they're in the mid-high 20s. And Ender, one of the pro traders, is suggesting that the foil extended arts will eventually catch up or press higher on the coattails of the showcase foils. So for these to go 13 to 30, for instance, given that they're in 9100 EDH rec decks, 3% of all red decks since printing, it's also a multi-format competitive staple. It's getting played in standard, pioneer, modern. Uh, it's going to be in cube for years. And I suspect that mod more and more modern decks will figure out a way to make use of this as time goes on. Kiki-jiki effects have been broken or borderline broken many 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 times uh in the in the early days of that format and this card seems to be giving the whole strategy a new lease on life there's also just 19 listings left uh with a relatively steep ramp on tzg player so i think this is a, a good call at the right time i'd agree i mean this you know i told you uh when we were talking uh before the podcast this is the kind of thing that i know that we have talked about and i know we have discussed and said like man this card's good all over the place 
and yet uh, we haven't actually officially picked it ever. So here we are making this an official pick and uh, good job uh, Ender for noticing that we haven't actually uh, added this to the sheet ever. So, um, you know, otherwise this would have been, how many times could this have been a pick from either of us over the last few months? Yeah. And uh, Ender gets the $25 gift certificate from our lovely sponsor, Cool Stuff Inc., and uh, makes his Pro Trader annual fees all the cheaper. So good for him. Moving on over to our weekly topics, a couple of different things uh, on the agenda. The first is that Wizards went ahead and canceled print runs of three different languages all at once. So Russian uh, was already... Uh, being held back because of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. And I think Hasbro just looked at it over a period of time and said, this isn't going away anytime soon. Russia's going to be the bad guys. The market's going to be hard to access. There's going to be all sorts of currency exchange risk dealing with Russia. Let's just go ahead and not bother. Now, the, the, the thing that's crazy about that is that there is a small but very fervent group of russian foil collectors for instance that have been doing you know making that their main grail path as it were since like 2004 or something i think was the first time we got russian cards and they are now just out of luck (laughs) from from here on out until wizards potentially changes that policy which i don't see happening anytime soon uh they can only trade the cards that already exist and this also now makes you know various uh, pro traders and other vendors and speculators second guess how they're supposed to be pricing out-of-print sealed product. Things like Modern Horizons 2 Russian product. Thing, you know, you've got those Russian uh, old border foil fetches that were extremely hard to pull because I think there was only draft boxes for... There was something MH2. special about that. I don't I don't remember off the top of my head, though. I think that's it. I think Russian MH2 was only draft boxes, and the drop rate for an old border foil fetch was very low in those. Like, you were lucky if you found one in a box. So those are the basically the sexiest old border foil fetches you'll ever get. Because <laughs> they won't be printing them again in Russian, even if you got MH3 next year and they printed them again. Uh, and then they also canceled traditional Chinese, which doesn't mean they're getting into the Chinese market. It actually sort of might indicate that they are bowing to mainland China because traditional Chinese is a much bigger deal outside of mainland China in Hong Kong and Taiwan than it is in mainland China, where you can get by just fine offering up simplified Chinese product. But there was a thread that I copied over into the Discord yesterday from somebody uh, out that way where they were talking about how impossible it's going to be to make decks that are all in the same language because of the different periods of time where one or the other of these things was available. And it's just going to be a mess. And It just, is. And, it, and it's most annoying for the Taiwanese and Hong Kong players who now just can't get access to their preferred version of their own language <laughs> and, and have been playing Magic like for 20 years or whatever. Um, 
So there's that. And then they also canceled Korean, which after Russian was kind of the second sexiest language for people that were into foreign foils and whatever. So there's no Russian or Korean. So the Korean Facebook group or whatever is also dead in the water. And now you got to wonder whether it's if if the, the that crown now default goes to German and Japanese from here on out. So, like, this is, um, would it be safe to say that this is the, these are the three languages that had the least amount of sealed product printed for them? I, yes, Russian and Korean were always thought to be the least. And we never really talked about how much of it was traditional versus simplified, because I don't think we had any, any data or information. Like, the Korean and Chinese markets, other than really, really big events, like, if, if, when, when you and I were at Vegas together... I spent a lot of time frequenting the Chinese and Korean vendor booths that were there because it was like the only exposure I had to their inventory at all. At some point I tried to like make a list of Korean e-commerce opportunities like for magic cards and tried to buy some stuff and then just gave up um, because Japan was so much easier and and the market was, was, was easier to navigate overall. Um, But yeah, I think that's probably true. Like that it's their three smallest languages and for, a variety of different reasons this seems to make sense to them this is like them tightening their belt simplifying their process dodging some political problems of a couple of different sorts without you know and and potentially capitulating to cultural differences it could just be that in korea magic is so far behind the other card games that they just have no hope of of recovery so it's, it's hard to say because, I mean, I would love to have somebody from one of those markets on the cast to talk about it. So maybe we'll try to, like, work our contacts and see if we can get somebody who speaks English but also uh, owns a shop over there uh, in one of those zones to chat with us. I would imagine that the Ukrainians and so forth that, that used to do good deals in our direction on Russian product are not too pleased. <laughs> this is, for, right. some, for some humans that, that dealt magic in Eastern Europe, this just cuts their legs out from under them in a situation where they were hoping it was going to be temporary. Well, it just, it speaks to, I think wizards trying to, um, focus a little bit more for lack of a better word. I'm not sure exactly what the word would be, but they don't want to mess with the things that have the the smaller circulation numbers and they can just focus on making this much more product in the other languages. So, you know, we'll have that much more, German, that much more Portuguese, that much more French. Well, I don't think that's true because you can't automatically can't automatically take that much product and dump it in Germany and expect it to sell. What might be true though is that there's more English overall because they will probably still sell into the Korean marketplace, but they might just only ship English product. And so well, o- overall, that might mean that they're shipping less of it. Um, but it doesn't automatically widen their like. The amount you, you publish in Italy has very little to do with whatever you're doing in Russia. That's just about how much you think the Italy market can absorb. I was going to say that um, it's more that they're just trying to cut X percent off of their printing costs while not losing the same um, percentage of their sales. And so this might be some kind of like consolidation strategy thing where they're trying to say, well, we sell the least of these, and it's this much of our costs and this much of our sales. 
and it just doesn't add up and so we're trying to you know goose our numbers a little bit yeah they, they might they might be uh cutting some expenses here but i also think they're playing games with politics at the same time and i and Every, i don't yeah it's and, true and I, and I don't think they actually have hope here of salvaging the same level of revenue i think they're sacrificing some revenue it just wasn't a big enough piece of the pie like it might have been less than two percent of total revenue or something and so that they figure they can the funds that were involved in supporting the, the publishing of these languages which isn't so much about the printing it's about the translation it's about the resetting of the press press sheets and whatever the the graphic design to support this can all of that can just kind of be left by the wayside and if they see an opportunity to reopen these markets in the future they may well readdress them um but yeah i mean we, we don't have all the information here so we can only really speculate now moving on uh dominaria united is the next big set what's the release date last week of september first week of august something like that no it's the end of september uh early october i believe i'll make sure dominaria united looks like release date is september 9th so it's oh. actually not end of september it's early september uh and so that's coming up pretty quick uh and there are rumors uh flying and they have been for a few weeks we haven't talked about them on on cast it's worth now. mentioning um they're about to do a stream and we're recording this uh the night before the stream right they're going to have a stream tomorrow or th- thursday yeah, so the rumor is that Wizards, it's the 30th anniversary of Magic heading into next year. And so the rumor is that Wizards, in honor of the 30th, but also probably to, to cover uh, or run interference on people's perception of Magic getting more expensive based on an 11% price increase that was shoved through at the distribution level, which will echo and amplify up to the retail level. Uh, Wizards is going to take some old sheets of magic cards. Rumor... I've heard a few different versions of this rumor, but let's say that it's Legends cards for now, because there's a dedicated Legendary slot in the Collector Boosters for Dominaria United. And what if they cut up a bunch of Legends cards and they seed those packs? Well, first thing is, that's not the first time they've done that. For those that weren't around, you might not remember this, but Zendikar, the original Zendikar, not battle for zendikar or zendikar uh rising but original zendikar they had a thing in the first wave only of the sealed product that was called priceless treasures and keep in mind this was back in an era where there were new collector boosters there was new set boosters there was just booster boxes and they uh, apparently went and bought reserve list cards on the open market from major vendors and seeded them uh, at a very low drop rate into those booster packs and that made original cases from early, you know, with early delivery invoices and so forth of Zendikar uh, very pricey indeed because people had a very, very slim chance of, say, pulling a Black Lotus or a Candelabra or a Mox or whatever. And we don't know exactly what they put in it because I don't think they ever made an official announcement nope. of contents. They didn't have a collector breakdown back then. They just kind of said, this is a thing we did. Um, I can tell you that at a local pre-release in Southern California, there was a guy who pulled a Badlands and everybody just crowded around the guy and we were all yelling at each other like, what kind of, 
mix-up error thing? Is it real? Like, there was uh, several of us were thinking it was not real. So, like, this was... It was not like, well communicated at the time. They No, they never said anything about it. They never gave us drop rates. They never said what it could be. You know, they never said, you know, what the potentials were. So if they're taking, you know, uncut legend sheets, we should all be prepared for a certain number of glyphs of life or whatnot. Yeah, that's the thing. A lot of what they could could put in these packs could be very bad. Even if they only seed legends into the legendary slot, there's still a lot of bad legends in legends. Right? So this is all about taking advantage of people's poor perception of lottery odds and just being like, yeah, there's a potential thousand dollar card in here when the drop rate is going to be tremendously low on the upside. However, they probably will break this all down for us. Like I think they're going to give us the drop rate. They'll tell us where you can find them. Um, They might even do it tomorrow. People might already know all the details by the time they listen to this. And bottom line is it's going to help sell the set. You know, and it will help offset the price shock. The question becomes whether they're doing it just for Dominaria United or they're also doing it for the Brothers War, because that's a really good place to drop some Antiquities cards. It could be that we get a, a whole year of these, you know, whatever we get after the Brothers War. So Brothers War, uh, so we get Dominaria United, that's Legends. We get uh, Brothers War, that's Antiquities. We need something for uh, Arabian Nights. And then... They, they uh, might be. They might be going for the to dark. The standard might be going to Rabia next year, right? Rabia, Rabia is the plane, home plane of one of the old school antediluvian planeswalkers. Uh, forget who, what his name was, but he was some kind of Arabian night stereotype planeswalker. And if they go to Rabia, then they might well dump Arabian Nights cards in there. Yeah. So there's. All kinds of uh, crazy things that could be done, and I can't... Like, if, if they did a whole year of um, re-releasing um, cards into the ecosystem, you know, great. But I think, like you said, we're going to... I'll be very grateful, even though uh, I'm the unlucky soul that has to figure out the exact numbers. It'll be nice to know what the numbers are, and rather than just, like, one in every thousand packs is gonna have a card from a legends sheet like we never really got numbers on the inventions either did we we just knew it was around one per case no inventions i we had a we had a pretty good idea of how many packs it was per invention because they changed it when we got to uh and they declared it on the back of the boosters and I think that in the run-up to that, they explained that, that the ratio had been increased. Oh, that's right. They did. They told us it was about one every 144 packs, one every four booster boxes. That's right. Yeah. So the if we look back at Legends, like what could you possibly open here? Oh, here? man. There's, there's a very wide range. So I pulled this up on Scryfall already. Um, with uh, So if we're just talking about the legendary creatures or um if the the it is a legendary creature from the set legends there's 61 of them and you're going all the way from like lady orca seven mana uh seven four for that that goes for around four dollars 
But then you've got, you know, um, all of the original Elder Dragons. You've got Angus McKenzie, who's around 500. Gwendolyn DeCourcy, who's uh, the top legend creature. And if they put Tabernacles in there, which is the legendary land, you know, that's a that's Three a to four thousand cool... dollar card. Yeah. So you got Chains of a... Mephistopheles. That's about fifteen hundred. You got Moat, which is about the same. You've got the Abyss at eleven hundred. You've got Nether Void at eleven hundred. So if they put if they put all the Legends cards in, you got there are some very good hits. Um, and and the and the sexiest part is that you're in theory getting near mint cards, but picture the havoc that will ensue if somebody cracks a tabernacle and it's like dinged the corner's been bent in the insertion process because that's probably a ma- like either it's going to be a manual insertion process or which where, where things can go wrong or the they're going to be running a pretty small operation right like if they're putting sheets through original sheets I don't know how many there could be 10 20 50 at most seems to me it takes a while to dial in the cutting machines and get things right so that means you're going to have miscut tab tabernacles potentially <laughs> like i don't that'd be crazy i don't think like the the sheet cutting hasn't really changed much like that's one of the things about magic cards is they all have to have the same back, and yeah, so but, yeah. But the thing is that when you run, say you're running Streets of New Capenna on the machines, the first bunt batch or two you do may get scrapped. Sure, because it takes a while to dial in and and then quality check them. But you don't can't do that when these sheets are worth tens of thousands of dollars a piece. So like maybe they're gonna hand cut them. Whatever they do, they don't want to screw it up. So it's gonna be real interesting to see the stories of what people, what mishaps people pull from packs if all of this comes together as expected. Now I also heard, I haven't heard this consistently, but some people have talked about duels, like revised boxes and/or sheets, also being involved unclear if that's dominator united or some other set or that's going to be the common thread across multiple sets just don't know yet but i'm sure we'll hear about it shortly because they're going to want to bait this hook if it's coming out first week of september that means we're getting you know the the preview season kind of just starts tomorrow well right? i mean with the the teaser season starts tomorrow that's for sure like well it goes like late july till late august and then there's a two-week run-up that's usually we know the whole set two weeks out now Yep, so let's see, that's the third week of August, that means we're starting previews the first week of August, which is only uh, two weeks away, which I know too well, because uh, my first day of teaching is uh, about three weeks from yesterday. Yep. So, Dominaria United, I, apparently the other one of the other parts of the rumor is that it's that the special cards, like reserveless cards, are going to be limited to the collector boosters. So we did that have, would make that would make total sense. Like so they did. they know they need to goose the collector boosters in some way, and what they've usually done is thrown in something like um, a subset. So in um, for example, in Double Masters two, we have two uh, types of foiling. We have the borderless foils and we have the um, 
the etched foils, and then they threw in the uh, mini subset of the textured foils. And in something like um, Neon, uh, Neon Kamigawa, we had the uh, Hidegetsu in the different colors. Like, they'll, they'll throw whatever they can in there to make something much rarer than it would otherwise be. So them putting this in the co collector booster would make perfect sense. Yeah. So if that turns out to be the case, then you know our group buy is something like 1100 a case, whereas Amazon is way, way over that at present. Other operators in the market have been have been putting out prices like in the twelve to thirteen hundred dollar range per case. It'll be very interesting to see how the market absorbs all of this, and I'm very much looking forward to the details, which I'm sure we will discuss uh, at length once once we have them. So I guess that's uh, a wrap. Where can people find you online, Clifford? You can find me online at Word of Commander on Twitter as well as my articles every Friday on mtgprice.com. You guys can find me on Twitter at mtgcritic, as well as via my occasional articles on mtgprice.com. I'm also haunting the ProTrader Discord on a regular basis. And I would also like to remind our listeners to check out the mtgprice.com ProTrader service for just $9.99 a month or $109.99 per year. There's also a $79.99 option without the group buys, but why would you want to do that? You can get early access to this podcast, fantastic articles by the best MTG finance minds in the business, low-cost group buys, and a super active Discord forum that would drive better returns and save you money playing Magic the Gathering. Once again, MTG Fast Finance is proudly sponsored by Cool Stuff, Inc., where you can find all sorts of cool, nerdy stuff in stock, including all the best in Magic the Gathering singles, sealed product, and a plethora of other collectibles. Don't forget to use the code FINANCE5, that's FINANCE with the number 5, during checkout at CoolStuffInc.com to save 5% off your order and support this podcast. Whew, it's a lot of different stuff we covered today, James. It was a good time. Welcome back, buddy. We'll see you and see everyone else next week on another episode of MTG Fast Finance. <laughs>